You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. We do have the privilege of having Adam and Heather Russell with us this morning. Yes, yes, and um, Adam and I were talking, we met almost a quarter century ago, 24 years ago, I think it was, which is um, really interesting, and you know, there are times and there are seasons where special things happen. Uh, Shelly mentioned at the picnic, one picnic, she discovered some lifelong friends, which doesn't make that much sense, but as Adam and I were talking when... The season they came, we were making some lifelong friends that just stuck stuck forever. And so that's not easy to do, but it's something the Lord really likes to do. So a little background. Adam is really a multi-talented. I knew him as a singer, then a songwriter, then a worship leader, and now as a pastor. And he's a senior pastor at Campbellsville Vineyard, and he's also on the Vineyard executive team, and um, he's the director of the Vineyard Worship USA. So the Russells have been great friends of ours and my family and a lot of other people here, so we want to welcome Adam. Why don't you come on up? All right, what up, everybody? It's going to take me just one second to get all my stuff put together. Draw my glasses. Um, if you want to, uh, you can open up your Bibles to any place you'd like, and we might get there eventually. Uh, here's what I want to do this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you about following Jesus. Yeah, I want to talk to you about following Jesus. Robin asked me about 10 days ago to talk to this church about why I follow Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning, Chris, if we can flip to the next slide, I want to do three things this morning. Uh, This is our little outline for the morning. Uh, I want to do story time. I want to do scripture. And then just one, we're going to do one script, literally one verse, but I'm going to preach it to you. Okay. When we get there, you just have to know. Uh, I want to do story time. I want to preach one verse to you. And then we're going to have a little time of response where we just wait on the Lord to see what God might want to do in this room. I'm a vineyard pastor, and in the vineyard, we always want to take time at the end of church to say, Lord, what are you doing? And and part of what we want to do maybe this morning is to make a little space for people who perhaps have never followed Jesus before to say, you know what, I need to follow the Lord. Or, Or maybe you have followed Jesus, but you find yourself a little bit far away from him, and you just know that you need to come back to him. So we want to hold some space this morning for that. And we also want to just hold some space for people who maybe are just hurting. And one of the things that draws the attention of God is desperation. And, you know, you get a couple hundred people together. And there's some situations in this room. I'm not even being prophetic. It's just sociology. and God is drawn to it. So first thing I want to do this morning is I just want to tell, I think I counted nine quick stories. Is that okay? Nine quick stories. And I just want to tell you about, essentially, my life with the Lord. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, Like, why do I follow Jesus? Well, the first reason is, is I grew up with Christian parents. And I grew up in a very charismatic 
Christian home, and I was thinking about it this week. I was thinking about my earliest memories. I'm, I'm one of these people who struggles to connect with their early childhood memories. Could be trauma, I don't know. <laughs> but, but my earliest childhood memories that I can connect to with respect to God were a very charismatic home group. So if any of you grew up in charismatic home group, you, you know what I'm talking about. And I remember being a little kid, and the adults were, were singing in the living room, and, and maybe someone spoke in tongues, and maybe someone laid hands on someone and prayed. And us kids, we were, we were behind the couch coloring or, or laying underneath the kitchen table, and, and we're like coloring while the adults are doing things. And so my earliest childhood memories are colored by my parents and, and their friends and my aunts and uncles, and, and they're like worshiping God. And it's really cool that we sang this morning, we sang As the Deer. Because that was actually one of the songs I had in my heart this week. Because uh, I, remember, I remember my mom and dad. You know? By the way, I'm going to be very weepy this morning. So just fair warning. Um, but then, my second memory as it, as it pertains to following the Lord is... I remember my mom coming up to my bedroom to teach my sister and I how to pray. And she would open the Bible with us and we would read something from Jesus, always the Gospels. And then my mom would teach us how to pray. And the first way she taught us how to pray was she, she made us memorize the Lord's Prayer. And my mom said, if, you can, if you'll pray the Lord's Prayer, you'll know how to pray everything else. And I, I just remember that. So, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. You know, and then I was a little bit older, and um, I always I always loved the Lord. I was curious about God. I was one of those kids who was like curious about God. I loved to talk to adults about God. And when I was thirteen, uh, the pastor, we were no longer in like a charismatic home group. We were at a a very like the, an opposite church. We were at like a, a Disciples of Christ Christian church because my my sister and I we wanted to have friends and we wanted to go to a youth group, and so. That's actually pretty funny. And uh, the pastor of that church came to my house when we were 13. And it was really strange because he had never come to my house before. And he, he came to my house because he wanted to talk to my sister and I about following Jesus. And he, and he read, he read a, a passage out of the Gospels to us about Jesus. And I'll never forget this. Uh, he also read this scripture to me out of 1 John. I remembered it this week. It's 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. It says... God showed how much he loved us by sending his son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And I remember when he read that scripture to me, it was so strange. Like I, I had grown up, I'm 13 at this point. My mom has taught me how to pray. I've read the Bible. I, I know Jesus' stories. I've been to church. I've been the, I know all about Jesus. But for some reason, when this pastor came over and read one verse out of the Gospels and then read this one singular verse, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. When he read that to me, I felt this weight come on me. And I knew that it wasn't just about like some esoteric knowledge or even informational knowledge about Jesus, but I knew that in that moment, Jesus was laying hold of my life and I had to make a decision that day. Like, how am I going to relate to Jesus? Like, is Jesus going to be this... This crazy uncle in the corner of my life? Is Jesus going to be this, 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 this prophetic person who's sort of like 
out in the backyard? Or is Jesus going to be like my God? And it was the strangest thing. This weight was on me. And I, I cried. It was, it was conviction. It was, this, it was unbelievable. I mean, I was, it was so surprising. I didn't even know this was going to happen. And, and we prayed with him. We prayed the, the simple little, little sinner's prayer. You know, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And then after that, he talked to us about being baptized. But I was so fearful. This is another part of my story. I was so fearful and filled with anxiety and, and honestly weakness that I was too afraid to get baptized in front of the whole church. So I asked the youth pastor if, if he would baptize me after hours. And he was like, yeah, I'll baptize you after hours. And so like 10 people, just a handful from my family and one other kid from the youth group, they came and they baptized me after hours when I was, when I was thir- my sister who, who, was a part of founding this church, much stronger than me. She went down front. She got baptized in front of everybody, but I was too afraid. And so they baptized me, and, and it, was just a, it was just a handful of people. And after I got baptized, this new, this new love for God came into my heart. And I don't know how to describe it, but I became really, really passionate about the Lord. And for some reason, I went out and I, I bought this hat, and it was... So dorky. But it had, it had a cross on it. And it was, it was like Charlotte Hornets colors. It was like teal and purple and white. And it had a cross on it. It was like 13. And on the back, it had, it had this little label that said, it said Romans 5.8. I thought, well, if I'm going to wear this hat, I should learn Romans 5.8. So I memorized it. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I became like a zealot for Jesus. And I felt very called. This is, this is when my call became very real to me. And I didn't know what to do about it, though. And the reason I didn't know what to do about my call, specifically, I was feeling called by God to preach. But I didn't know what to do about it. And the reason I didn't, was that whole thing that I was telling you a minute ago. I was, I was so afraid. I knew if I was going to preach, I was going to have to be in front of people. But I couldn't even get baptized in front of people. Let's speak in front of people. And then beyond that, all the models that I had seen for pastoring were repulsive to me. Because I was a child of the 90s. And I loved Kurt Cobain. And there was the angst in me. Now, you may not know that I'm angsty, but I'm... I'm a Gen Xer. I'm angsty, right? Like we'd rather fight than anything. Stick it to the man. It's in our DNA. And so because of this, I had this tremendous wrestle in my heart. And it lasted for years. Literally for years. I knew I was called, but I was like running away from it. And I had a small season of rebellion that was really, I didn't know it at the time, but it was rooted in that. But then one day my father-in-law, who was not my father-in-law at the time, it was just it was just my girlfriend's dad. He, he comes to me one afternoon and he says, Adam, I want to take you on a trip. I said, where are we going? He said, we're going to Toronto. It's the mid-90s. He said, I've read a thing. And the thing I read, it sounds like church history. And I, literally, I have no context for this. Right? I'm like, I want to go to Toronto. So we go to Toronto and... For those of you who don't know, there was like a really profound renewal that happened in the mid-90s. And it was in, it was in Toronto. 
And when we get there, just imagine like a room like this, only like 20 times bigger with 5,000 people in it. And we'd come a little bit late and we walked through the back door. And when we got through the back door, I, listen, by the, by the way, I'm like 17 at the time. We walk through the back door. I make it maybe 15 feet into the room and I just fall on my face. I don't even know you're supposed to fall on your face. I just fall on the ground and I can't get up. At the time, I had no language for what was happening to me in the moment. Now I know I was just being profoundly baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is to say I was being profoundly baptized in God's love. It felt like a heavy blanket was being laid on my body. Does anybody sleep with like a weighted blanket? You know, it felt like a 50-pound blanket of God's love was being laid on me. And the only thing I can say about it is this, that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that, that God loved me. And it had nothing to do with anything I was doing or anything that I wasn't doing. It was just that I was held in the affection and arms of God and that I was forever, forever, forever cherished and loved. And, and I couldn't even explain it to you now. It's literally taking me almost 30 years to figure out what was happening in that moment. And, and this happened like four more times in the next two years to me. And the thing that happened when I got up off of the carpet, I, I laid there for like two hours. I couldn't move. Like a janitor guy came and prayed for me. <laughs> one of the other very interesting things about that moment as well is one of my best friends in the whole world was in the room, but we didn't know each other at the time. A guy named Caleb Maskell was in the room. He was literally there. And we, we would meet years later. It's just, I don't know what that is, but it just is fascinating to me. And, and I got so touched. But here's what happened when I got so touched by the love of God. All the fear and insecurity came off of my life. I didn't speak in tongues right away. You know, it was nothing like that. The, the only charismatic evidence that God had done something profound in my life is the anxiety and the fear and the insecurity, specifically of being up in front of people, just was completely gone. I mean, completely over and gone. And he gave me boldness. And so that zealousness that was in my heart, like, rushed to the forefront. In a way that needed tempered, honestly. (laughs) A lot. I want to tell you two more stories, because it wasn't all just, like, easy. Fast forward to early 30s. Uh, At this point... I'm pastoring the church I pastor now. Been pastoring it for a few years. Um, doing all kinds of Jesus stuff, writing songs and whatnot. And one, one afternoon, Heather and I are in Chicago together. And it was a perfect Chicago afternoon. We're on Michigan Avenue. We're sitting in the corner of a cafe. We are drinking a bottle of wine together. We are holding hands. There are no children around there are thousands of people in the streets, thousands of people. I'm holding and I'm and I'm I'm having this thought in my mind. This is this is heaven on earth. This is heaven on earth. And then as soon as I had this thought, this is heaven on earth. This other thought came into my mind that was like a poison arrow. And I won't even tell you the thought. I'll just tell you the gist of it. I saw all these thousands of people that are out in the streets and I began to wonder, what's going to happen to them? Like, like, I don't even know if any of these people know Jesus, right? And I, I became overwhelmed with this thought. And I tried to push that thought away, but it wouldn't go away. And that thought began to blossom and bloom into a lot of other thoughts. And it, 
it came with some other thoughts like this, like, man, why do, why do really, really bad things happen to good people? And why do, why do good people suffer? And why do bad people prosper? And why is it that sometimes we pray for people and they get healed? And why is it that oftentimes I bury people? And what about all these people who are around the world that literally I never think about? Billions of people. Like, what's going to happen to them? I became essentially afflicted with these thoughts and it put me into a three and a half year spiral and I didn't have language for this at the time I thought I was losing my faith I literally thought I was losing my mind and at the same time I'm standing up in front of the church every single week and I'm and I'm preaching and that made it doubly torturous and I felt like I could tell no one felt like I could tell no one finally finally I stumbled upon a man and his name was Dave Nixon and He's a hero. Dave Nixon saved my life. He's like a spiritual director guy. And in the charismatic world, we don't have spiritual directors, but my Lord, we need them. It's really common in the Anglican and, and Catholic world, but spiritual director is just fancy language for spiritual friend. Not quite a therapist, not really a pastor, but someone who sits outside from you, listens to your life, and specifically helps you see all the places that God is actually at work in your life, even though you can't see it yourself. That's all it is. So I was seeing this spiritual director named Dave Nixon, and I'm telling him what's happening to me. And he's like, Adam, uh, this is great. You're just becoming a Christian again. And I'm like, what? I'm not losing my faith? He's like, no, this is the dark night of the soul. He's like, most people go through this. Not everybody does, but most people do. You're there. And I'm like, well, tell me what I have, what I have to do to get out of it. He goes, there's nothing you can do to get out of it. Pray that God does everything with you in this season that he wants to. The other thing I should tell you about this moment is I was no longer praying. I didn't know how to pray anymore. I completely lost the ability to pray. I was like, I don't even know what to say to God. I don't even, I don't even know if you are there. I don't even know if you listen. And so Dave said, well, just stop praying. I'm like, really? He said, yeah, yeah stop praying. I'm like, well, what should I do? He said, nothing. He said, if you want to do something, he's like, sit on your couch 10 minutes a day and sit with Jesus I'm like, well, how do I do that? He goes, here's what I want you to do. Sit on your couch, no one else around. And he goes, start the 10 minutes on your clock and begin it by saying to God, it is enough to be here with you. And then just sit there. So I sat on the couch and I did this for almost a year. I sat, And I was like essentially just having an existential crisis. I was mentally fairly tortured and every single day i would do it i would just i would say to god it is enough to be here with you and i would sit there for 10 minutes and after about a year the holy spirit came to me one day and not external audible internal audible you know what i'm talking about but it was like this god was in the, all of a sudden i felt the presence of god again and i hadn't felt it in like three years and Jesus said to me, he said, Adam, do you know what your problem is? I said, no. He said, you're worried that you're more merciful than me. I said, you're right. That's exactly what's wrong with me. He said, Adam, my name is Mercy. And it was almost as though he left the room. He didn't, but it was just like the heaviness left, right? And when the heaviness left, all the internal torment and all the heaviness that was on me for three and a half years left as well. Now, here's what's really weird. I still have a lot of the same questions. 
Why do good things happen to bad people? And why do bad things happen to good people? And what about all the billions of people who live in the world who maybe do or don't know Jesus? What's going to happen with them? I don't know. But here's the other thing about it. I'm no longer worried about it because it sits in God's hands. And I don't know why that's okay with me now, but it is. It wasn't, but it is. One more story. Started going to this place in Nelson County, Kentucky called Gethsemane. Um, it's, a, it's a Catholic monastery. It's run by Trappist monks. Uh, they've been working the land. They have 3,600 acres. They've been working the land in Nelson County, Kentucky. And they've been praying around the clock for almost 170 years. Like, Mike Bickle's got a lot of catching up to do. And these guys do it in utter anonymity. And so I started going in the summertime to spend five days. I would do a silent retreat. There's no speaking over there. It's really weird. You, they have rooms for you, and then you, you eat together with whoever's there. And sometimes the brothers come in and sit with you, but no one says anything. Like sometimes there'll be a person sitting across the table from you. And everything in you wants to say, hey, my name's Adam. What's your name? What do you do? But you don't. So I started going over there to, I don't even know why I started going over there. I just started going over there to connect with a different part of God. There's a little plaque that's on the desk in the room they give you. And the little plaque says, consider your life. Started considering my life. And uh, one of the times I was there, I went into the chapel where the brothers sing and read the scriptures. Sorry. Went in and listened to them sing. It's like not quite chant, but not quite a song either. It's really strange. It's awesome. And when I came out, there's a little side chapel on the left, and it had a sign on it, and it said, Reconciliation, Tuesdays and Saturdays at 4. And I looked at my, I looked at my watch, and it was 3.30. I'm like, I wonder what that is. Like, I had no idea. I was, like, literally clueless. I had no idea. So I went in, and the room is really dark. Like, there's almost no, I mean, there's no light in this room. And I sat down, and people started coming in and sitting in the seats. And then all of a sudden, at 4 o'clock, I see the door swing wide open, and one of the Trappist monks in his robe comes in. He goes into a little side room. And then somebody stands up and goes in. They stay in there for a few minutes, and they come out, and they leave. And then someone else stands up, and they go in. And they stay a few minutes, and they get up, they come out, and they leave. And then someone else, and by the third person, I realized what reconciliation was. It's confession. And so then I was like, am I going to do this or not? (laughs) I'm like, well, I've already waited this long. I'm going to go in. So I let everybody else go, and I was the last person. And so I I went in, and it's like the classic thing, you know, the the little separator. And I could look over there, and I could see the shadow of his face, and... He said, uh, he said, hey, what are you here for? And I said, well, I guess the first thing I should confess to you is I'm not a Catholic. I don't even know if I'm allowed to do this. And he gets up and he comes around the screen and he grabs a chair and he pulls the chair right in front of me and he's sitting knees to knee. And he puts one hand on my shoulder and he says, what's your name? I said, my name's Adam. He said, Adam, why don't you tell me everything? So I told him everything. I told him everything I had ever done. I mean, I hit all the highlights and the lowlights. I told him everything I'd done, said, thought, 
everything, everything, everything. I didn't let anything off the hook. I told him everything. And when I was done, he put both of his hands on my shoulders and he looked me square in the eye and he said, Adam, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, including yours. And I completely lost it. I completely lost it. I cried rivers of tears that I haven't cried. And he's like holding me. And I'm like, who is this man? I'm like, there's that part of, you know, that part of your brain that can do the thing where you're like above yourself. Like I'm in the moment going, I'm feeling the love of God, the the consolation of the father. And then there's this other part of me going, who is this man you're hugging? Oh, I got up. I just felt like a new person. Felt like a new person. And, and I, I learned so many things from that. I mean, the Bible says some wild stuff about confession. The Bible says if you confess your sins to God, you get forgiven. If you confess your sins to one another, you get healed. And I got healed that day of something. I couldn't even name it, but just some stuff just came off of me and it, it never returned. Never returned. That's some of what it has been like for me to follow Jesus. I've got other stories, but we need to keep moving. Here's why I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus because my parents were Christians. And I'm a follower of Jesus because my mother taught me to pray. And I'm a follower of Jesus because I had a family of faith. But the main reason I'm a follower of Jesus is because Jesus has been pursuing me From my childhood and for every year since he's been pursuing me all the years of my life. And I can go, if I can go back to the scripture just for a moment, I want to preach the good news to you. Chris, if we can just put that one verse up from Romans, I want to put it up. I want to preach good news to this church just for a moment. I'm a follower of Jesus because God has demonstrated his love for me. That's why I'm a follower of Jesus. How many of you know that you demonstrate what you have confidence in? Like nobody demonstrates something that they are not confident in. And God is confident in his love. That is what God is confident in. God is so confident in his love that he would die for sinners. That he would die for people who are far, far away from him. You put on display those things that you are sure, you know are sure and dependable. And God is confident and he is sure in his love. He is so confident that he would do the the unthinkable, which is die for sinners. Uh, In Christ, God forgives the unforgivable. Let me just tell you about this for a moment, because this is something I've been wrestling with and stewing on for a moment. In Christ Jesus, God forgives the unforgivable, which is this, that when human beings murdered the innocent Son of God, even in the midst of his murder, Jesus is from the cross speaking words of forgiveness, And even from heaven, God is forgiving humanity in his son in that moment. And if God can forgive the unforgivable, he can forgive the unforgivable in you and me as well. This is the good news. Like, why am I a follower of Jesus? Because God has demonstrated his love to me. And it's in my own story. I I was never hostile to God. I was never opposed to God. I, I grew up open. I grew up curious and even at times loving God. But I just want to tell you, and I've already told you this morning once, I I grew up weak towards God. I loved him, but I was weak. I was frightened and I was unsure. I was frightened by the prospects of what it might mean to follow Jesus, what it might cost me. I was unsure of every model of pastoring in church that I had seen up to that moment. 
I was filled with 1990s angst. I was suspicious of authority. I was a low-level vagrant. My friends and I once egged a man's house every Friday night for a year. (laughs) I was not particularly smart. I never got good grades. I was athletically challenged. I'm a subpar musician. I have decent hair. I got bad grades in chemistry and statistics. I was a poor kid living in central Kentucky in the 1990s without any promise. And in my lowest state, in the very places where I was weak, God was moving toward me. He was moving toward me and his son. And I woke up to that. Like, why am I a follower of Jesus? Because I woke up to the fact that God was moving toward me. God is so confident in his love that he would give his life for a pink-haired grunge kid who had no confidence and very little prospects for the future. God has tremendously low standards. I followed Jesus because somehow I became awake to that revelation that when I was a sinner and when I was weak, When I was going nowhere, Jesus was moving towards me and he was including me. Uh, He was inviting me. He was gifting me. He was giving to me. He was loving me. And not just the young me, but the older me too. God loves the older you. And the you that is yet to be older still, he loves the older you too. The older me who was weighted down with impossible questions... Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do some people get healed and some people die? What will happen to all these people around the world who don't seem to know Jesus? The older me who was weighted down with those questions. God moved toward me and his son and he he lifted me up. God was demonstrating his love to me in those seasons with patience. In fact, the very first thing the Apostle Paul says about love is that it's patient. This is how God deals with the world. He deals with the world and he deals with people with patience. And here's why. Because God is love. If God is love and if patience is the first thing that the Apostle Paul says about love, you can be sure of this. God will be patient with you. Even the weakest part of you, he will be patient with you. It's how he deals with the world. And God was demonstrating His love to me in Christ when I needed to confess and to repent again. Demonstrates also means knowable. If God is demonstrating his love, he's putting it on display. That means it's out in the open. It's not a secret. It means that it's knowable. I follow Jesus because in him the love of God is available and it's knowable. God's love is not a secret. God's love is not a code. God's love is not a mystery. God's love is not Gnosticism. God's God's love is not for special people. God's love is not for the spiritual elite who read their Bibles every day. God's love is not for super Christians who pray every day. God's love is not for people who fast all the time. God's love is not for people who have earned it. God's love is not for people who go to Christian camp. God's love is not for people who go to Christian conferences. It is for people who do none of those things. He still includes them. It is not a mystery. You don't need a book. You don't need a revelation. He has put it on display. It is open. It is available. It is knowable. And to the degree that any of us are convinced that it is a mystery or that it is a secret, we are deceived yet from the good news. It is his son, Jesus. This is what it means when it says that God demonstrates his love. He puts it out in the open. He puts it out in the open. 
Anytime you hear a pastor want to sell you a book about God's mystery, you might want to start running away. That is not a joke. It's not for the spiritual special forces. It's not reserved for the brilliant or the well-educated. It's for anybody. It's for anybody to know. See, here's the thing I want to tell you, church. Church, we can know the love of God in our lives. You can know it today. It's been put on display in God's Son. And God will not manipulate or hide from you. He will not manipulate or hide from you. So what about today? What about today? That's why I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus because my mama raised me to follow Jesus. I follow Jesus because I grew up charismatic home groups. I follow Jesus because I had a youth group leader who would baptize me in front of 10 rather than in front of 400. I follow Jesus because I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in a really embarrassing way in Toronto. I follow Jesus because when I was weighed down with questions and thought I was losing my mind, Christ came to me with words of comfort. I follow Jesus because even as an older man, I still needed to confess and repent. That's why I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus because God has demonstrated his love to me, not once, not twice, but like a thousand times. We'll wrap it up right here. Uh, John Wimber used to say, John Wimber is like the founder of the vineyard. He's like a patron saint in my world, right? John Wimber used to say that the way in is the way on. And what he meant by that was, the way you got into this thing is the way you keep going on in this thing. It's really that basic. Uh, You want to have a renewed heart in God? Uh, uh, Repent. Let Him change your mind. The very things you did at the beginning, do them again. We never outgrow needing to love God. We never outgrow responding to Jesus. We never outgrow changing our mind to His opinion. We never outgrow confessing our sins. We never outgrow uh, having a community of faith and coming to church. We never outgrow having a pastor. We never outgrow these things. If you want to continue in deeper, you just do the things you did at the beginning. So here's what I want to do this morning, if it'd be all right. Well, why don't you stand? And we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit for one moment. And we're just, we'll just do this like the way we do it at my church. Uh, if it's okay with you, why don't you just hold your hands out like this? It's not magic. It's just a way to connect our body to our hearts. At home, we call this going full vineyard. Lord, we love you in this room. And Lord, we thank you for your precious word from the Holy Scriptures. Uh, God, we, we thank you for Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we could do nothing, you did everything. God, in the places that we wouldn't, you did. God, in the places where we couldn't, you could. We just thank you for that this morning. God, we thank you for Romans chapter 5, verse 6. At just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. People who are far from you. We just thank you for that again. Lord, we ask that you would cause that reality to bubble up in our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.
We just wait on you, God. Is there anybody here who's, who's in the midst of a wrestle about continuing education? Is that anybody here? You're like, yeah, right here and right back here? Okay, yeah. We, we want to we pray with you here in a moment. I just, while we were just praying here, I, just, I felt like the Lord wanted to encourage some people who were wrestling about, am I, should I get more education? Grad school. Like I, I, the words I saw were grad school. We want to pray about that. We're just going to hold that out to God. Mm. I think there's maybe two other things we'd want to pray about this morning. Uh, Number one... Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and like you've been coming to church a little bit, but maybe, maybe you've never really followed the Lord. You've never really followed Jesus. Maybe you've known about him, but you haven't submitted to your life to him. And I don't, I don't know if that would be anybody in this room. Probably most people here are Christians, but, but maybe there's somebody here and you're like, you know what? I've never really, I've never done that. Is that anybody here this morning? You're like, I've never followed the Lord and I know I need to. Is that anyone? Or maybe, maybe this this morning. Maybe, maybe you are a Christian and you do follow the Lord, but maybe, maybe this morning you know, I need to come back to Jesus in a new way. I've, just, I've lost touch with Jesus somehow. Yeah, right here. Is, is there anyone else who's like, I need to come back to Jesus? Yeah. yeah. Anyone else? Does anybody else need to come back to Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's what I want to do this morning, if it's okay. Uh, we're we're going to pray. And Robin, I don't know how you want to land this, but at, as we land this meeting, if you if you put your hand up, like I need to come back to Jesus, or you know I want that 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 continuing education thing or that grad school thing, could you just come to the front here? And we we I want to pray with you, and maybe some other people here at the church who are not who are qualified to pray. Maybe they could come help me. Stuart, can you come help me? Thank you. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for these precious people and the work you're doing here at Queen City Church. Yeah, come on up. We'll just, let's just do this. Come on up. Lord, we just thank you just for the bravery to say, you know what? I need something from God this morning. We just thank you for that. And Lord, we ask that you would touch every other person Every other person. I also had just a picture while we were waiting a moment ago. I had a picture of, of, of someone here uh, actually talking to their neighbor about Jesus. And, and the neighbor was like really open to the Lord. And, and I think that's just an encouragement for us to be, to be really, to be bold with our neighbors. Like actually our physical neighbor, like the person next door. Yeah. Lord, we just thank you that you want to demonstrate your love to us and through us over and over again. And we pray this in the name of the Lord. Amen.
Amen. And if you guys, anybody else in this room needs prayer for anything, you come up. We want to pray with you. Mr. Rob. Well, thank you, Adam. That's great. Um, we do want to receive an offering, but if, if you're going to be prayed for, you can come on up. And it's really simple. Um, you could scan the QR code. Christopher put it back up there. And uh, when you get to the giving page for the fund, you select guest speaker instead of tithes and offerings. We do have envelopes by some of these buckets. If you'd like to um, give that way with a check or cash, just make a note on the envelope that it's for Adam. And, Father, we do. We ask that you would touch all of these people that have responded this morning. Let's extend our hands to them, everybody in the room here. Let's just pray for them. Father, we ask that everything you want to do for these that came that you'll do this morning and we just ask that in the wonderful name of the one who so loved us, he gave himself for us, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the rest of you guys can hang out, be dismissed while they pray, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. 